Thank you so much for watching The Last of Us You and Me podcast, a companion podcast for the HBO show The Last of Us. I am Sancho West, and this is the review and breakdown for the episode Left Behind. <laughs>if you went back into all the episodes for this podcast i always almost start with wow because they continue to wow me because the hbo show is totally nailing the last of us universe and i cannot believe that they were able to get left behind correct now throughout this entire podcast i've been talking about video game tracks and the show tracks and then one of the things that i want to bring up again is the milestone so to speak The responsibility for the HBO show to nail these iconic video game moments slash milestones has to be a heavy burden for all the showrunners, especially Neil Druckmann, considering that they nailed Sarah's scene, they nailed Tess's death, they did a great job with Henry and Sam, and they gave us a great spin with Bill and Frank. So we all knew that, you know, with all the trailers and things of that sort, that we will get a taste of Left Behind. And surprisingly so, we got an entire episode dedicated to the downloadable content Left Behind. And I got to say, they really did get this one right. I mean, I cannot imagine this was all on the shoulders of Bella Ramsey. And for her to get it done, it was quite an amazing accomplishment, not only for the show itself, but for the actress Bella Ramsey. The, the seeing her nuanced performance of uh, dipping in from anger to joy and all these things covered. And, of course, this is a kind of a response to Joel saying, you don't know what loss is. And she says, I have lost people. Now, for the you the first time watching the podcast, so basically I do like a overall review. Then we go into a plot breakdown, and I try to avoid spoilers as much as possible along the way. Uh, one of the highlights is telling you the differences between the game and the show itself. And this episode had a lot of small differences, but a little bit of those differences do make a big impact on the storytelling between the show itself and the downloadable content. Uh, for those of context that people that don't play The Last of Us have never played it, this Left Behind is what's called DLC, which is downloadable content that came out post-launch of the original game of The Last of Us. And this was a quite surprise, of course, that it's not a kind of prequel or anything like that that involved Joel. This actually involved Ellie. And one of the things about the reception or the criticism or the critical praise that the DLC received was that it was very, very chill. It wasn't like action-packed. Of course, there was action sequences, but you weren't killing lots of things as Ellie. And you were kind of submersing yourself into this world of Ellie's life before she got bitten. And I would have to say that the show does a great part of taking part of that. I would say what makes this episode so good is that, of course, Ellie is not killing so many things versus the game. There's an entire section that they did cut out, which is Ellie's in the present tense in a shopping mall while Joel is in a yogurt shop. She is out scavenging the the mall itself, and there's a helicopter that's down. This is where she gets the first aid kit. In the show, it strictly sticks to the mall in the past with Riley. And I kind of like that difference because, you know, that's the thing about the HBO show. And I see that there's a lot of criticism online regarding to the lack of action sequences. And I always will argue against that point with that if you have less action, then when the action does appear, there's actually a lot more to it than what is in the video game. The video game serves you, the gamer, to provide action moments. 
And if you hear something in the background, it's because I have my video monitor on. I am all alone being a dad here. So, so again, the video game serves you to keep you, you know, invested through action. And the DLC has these moments where that is the only moments that Ellie is shooting and shiving and, and going against infected and the AI. And what's quite interesting as well is I remember what was being championed in that DLC was being able to get AI infected to attack AI raiders. And that was a big selling point for that DLC. In the show itself, all that is gone. They completely took out the present tense shopping mall. Instead, it is in a house that Joel is housed in while he is recovering from his wounds. So there's a little bit of taste like that that I'll get into more in finite detail, but to go back into the review itself, I would have to say another stellar knockout performance. I tweeted this out that I would have to say that please just stop, stop the match, all right? Anyone that's whatever the Emmys, please just give all the awards to The Last of Us. You know, there's moments where I think like, okay, Joel deserves it. And, you know, uh, Tommy, Gabriel Luna deserves it. And then like the writing deserves it. The cinematography, like all so many things deserve an Emmy for The Last of Us. And then and finally, this is Bella Ramsey's episode to get an Emmy nod as well. And hopefully the championship dub. They don't do that in the Emmys, but get the actual statue or the accolade. What a stellar performance from Bella Ramsey. And there was a moment in this episode when I get to when I talk to the plot breakdown that it got me that I was pent up with so much anxiety and so much stress and fear for Ellie and Riley. And then they were going through this small and, you know, they're recapturing their innocence and, you know, all these tableaus of the carousel, the photo booth, the arcade. Like, dude, that's my childhood, man. That is my childhood in a nutshell. I'm a mall rat. I'm a huge mall rat. There's nothing like going to the mall for me when I was a kid growing up, even as a teenager. You got the movie theaters there. You got the food court there. You got people there to people see, people watch. You have the arcade, man. So this entire episode was recapturing that innocence that was lost thanks to the infected outbreak. And then for having all that get to the climax of the scene to where you know what's going to happen. And when it hits, man, it hits like a sledgehammer. But it's the nuanced performance from Bella Ramsey. It's that moment of a jubilation of getting rid of the clicker herself. Ellie and Riley were able to overcome one of the most fearsome things. And for the first time throughout the entire series, I feared a clicker. That one opening scene in the museum back in the Boston, I was like, eh, the clickers, they, they kind of out of place. But here against Ellie and Riley, the tension was built up properly. And seeing that moment of her getting rid of the clicker with her trusty switchblade, and seeing that moment captured so quickly and so elegantly by Bella Ramsey, wow, this is all of a sudden just an outburst of emotion for me. I, I got very, very, I teared up, man. It was so good and so well shot as well. But I just love this episode for for the way not only again honoring the source material, but you know changing things up a little bit, shaving things off, skipping things completely, moving scenes around to benefit the the drama of what we're watching here. And another point that I always like to make here in the podcast is that they took the POV outside of Joel and into Ellie. So, you know, we, the gamer, we played The Last of Us originally, and we only got to play as Joel, except for when it gets a little bit later in the game. 
But to be able to see Ellie's POV in this instance, if you're the first time experiencing this last of a story, I'm a little bit jealous of you, of course. Very, very jealous of you. And I said this last time. It's like, I wish there was times where I was watching this. I didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, we I knew what was going to happen. I knew what was going to happen to Riley. But being able to you know see it with, with my own eyes in a new medium, it still felt very fresh. And I cannot imagine what it felt like for the people who were just watching this for the first time. My wife uh, went out of town for business this night and so i was unable to get her reaction to the episode as well i mean this entire week has been very chaotic so i was unable to field your tweets but overall a stellar show and like i said this would be a showcase episode for future awards to come and bella ramsey definitely deserves one going forward and of course i can't believe it episode seven in the books we only have two more episodes on the first season of The Last of Us. And before I get into the plot, I started to think, what will they do for season two? Will they go so bold and show what happens between The Last of Us Part 1 and The Last of Us Part 2? Which, in case, I would be 100% down for. Because, granted, I mean, Bella Ramsey is of that age where I, she's nowhere near what The Last of Us Part 2 is. But... And to be able to show what happens in between both parts, I'd be really down for. And of course, there's rumors, of course, you know, just to dip your toe back into the video game world. There are rumors that Naughty Dog is exploring A Last of Us Part 3. Now, I don't want to get into the, too much of the spoiler details of The Last of Us Part 2, but what's it to say of them doing something in the middle? I mean, we all have been big fans of Joel and Ellie. Why not have the story in the middle? And that, to me, gets me very excited. But let's go ahead and break down the plot of Left Behind. Uh, according to the thing th uh, that I enjoyed about this entire thing was the mall itself. And I already talked about it. Now, one thing as well, when this episode opens up, we see Joel telling Ellie to leave. That did not happen in the game. Joel was pretty much incapacitated in the game itself. Didn't really say much. But to see Pedro Pascal telling Ellie to leave, and then later it is bookend by Ellie coming back and Joel squeezing her hand, not saying a word, mind you. And this is the one thing that I do enjoy about acting. For those of you who don't know, I did study acting in college. And one of the, my favorite things to do as an actor is sometimes, even though it's written on the page a line, you don't have to say the line. If you could communicate that emotion or the line's intention with your physical presence, with the uh, emotion or a facial expression, you could still have that line being present in the scene. And you no doubt there's a whole bunch of thank yous and thank God you're back when Joel squeezed Ellie's hand back. But it was quite interesting to see, of course, that moment. And again, a lot more extra little juice, just a little bit of extra little sliver of some context when it comes to the HBO show. Um, and you, again, you can see like the pain in his eyes as he's sitting there. Once it goes back, it flashes back into the past. And you see actually Ellie in the quarantine zone school in a military school. And I love this. Again, I, man, anytime they show me a little bit extra that I don't have to read or listen to the tape recorder, I gobble that up, man. Serve me more of this. This is what I enjoy the most. And this is why I hope season two of this Last of Us HBO show does not go into the video game part two. 
like I saying, I don't, I don't think we're there yet. But I love seeing Ellie as an outcast, seeing Ellie that stands up to bullies and things of that sort. And I, and I just love this idea. Not only that, we get to see that the Fedra, you know, they there's a human side to them. I mean, the Fedra is not all bad. You have this Captain Kwong here trying to help out Ellie, trying to coach her to pick a certain path. And I, I'm enjoying this. I mean, it just shows you that there are... They're always the whole notion from the Last of Us Part Two is that there's always two sides to a coin, and that in this kind of environment or in real life, there is no black and white. There's of course gray. And it's it's this theme that is explored throughout the Last of Us Part Two, but it was kind of glossed over in the Last of Us Part One, even though maybe it could be for you know technical reasons where they couldn't really capture an emotion, or maybe they just ran out of time. But as you can see here due to not having the restrictions of a video game, you could actually go into these kinds of scenes. And one of the things as well as a big highlight for this episode, and you'll see throughout the entire time, is Mortal Kombat 2, which is quite interesting because in the podcast, uh, Neil Druckmann revealed that they were like, why don't we just actually get the inspiration for the in-game arcade and just get Mortal Kombat 2? If Warner Brothers and HBO are the same kind of house, let's go ahead and get this license for Mortal Kombat 2. And I really do enjoy that. I mean, like I mentioned, I grew up in the arcade. There's nothing like going to an arcade. And I had this note later down in my notes here. It was, it's so fascinating that the arcade is alive in this post-apocalyptic world. And in our world, it is literally a dying part of Americana. The arcades were established in the 80s in America and it's one of the, my favorite places. And it's the fact, if you watch me actually play video games, if you're just someone that listens to the podcast, but I make content for video games. And if you actually watch one of my streams, I try to bring that arcade vibe or, you know, we're just here to have a good time and play video games. And I had a note here, but... Daytona was in that arcade, and man, Daytona USA, that was my go-to racing arcade. The things I would do, I have so many awesome memories of playing Daytona USA. So here we go, we get the Ellie and Riley scene, and this is where the DLC kind of picks up, where Riley is going into Ellie's dorm, we find out that Riley left and Ellie has no roommate and Riley has joined the Fireflies. And, it, and it's kind of interesting to see how there's a little bit of differences between the two. The biggest difference between Riley's in the video game and Riley in the HBO show is that in the video game, she's actually recruited by Marlene. Ellie and Riley both know who Marlene is. She's the leader of the Fireflies. They kind of have this establishment in the game. Riley reveals that Marlene noticed her skills and kind of tested her and recruited her. And then eventually the Fireflies initiated her and Riley reveals that she had to, you know, maybe kill an infected to be able to see that she's a legit Firefly. They don't really get into the details. Every time Riley gets into a little bit of the Fireflies, it's shoved away. In the HBO show, Riley does not know who Marlene is. Just said some woman noticed her stalking around and sneaky skills and recruited her right then and there. And that you see a little bit more of the, you know, the freedom fighters aspect of the Fireflies. And, and you're seeing as well Ellie having that federal background, the schooling, how you see the different, uh, you know, I guess trains of thought colliding here throughout this entire episode, which I really did enjoy because the video game didn't really go into that. Because every time Ellie in the video game world would bring it up, Riley would shut it down. And, you know, Ellie didn't really care so much about it in the video game. She just wanted to hang out with her friend. But I do enjoy that Ellie is kind of having that kind of, I guess, background, so to speak. And she's having a hill that she wants to die on for Fedra. 
So what? I, uh, another thing is an Easter egg throughout this entire time on the escalator scene. Take on me is being played, which is an Easter egg for The Last of Us Part Two, which we won't kind of spoil. But there, now it goes into you know the merry-go-round or the you know uh, the carousel scene with the photo booth. Great re representation of what times were simpler. I mean, you literally. I had to go to the mall and just waste oodles of time. And that is what these girls are trying to do. They're trying to recapture their innocence. I mean, considering that this entire mall is boarded off. And that's the one thing that's the difference between the quarantine zone and Jackson. Of course, Jackson, you're allowed to be a kid again. You're allowed to go to the movies and things of that sort. And the quarantine zone, Fedra has decided to just keep things as simple as possible. As in the previous scene, you see the captain talked about that without us, this whole thing would be chaos. But as you can see, what Fedra does is stripped everything away from humanity. There's no longer a school. It's a military school where they kind of determine where do you belong? Are you an officer or are you a grunt? So it's quite interesting to see all these kind of theories, which is kind of like a, a layer in the Last of Us universe. As the more uh, people you encounter, you see that everyone thinks that they're the right way. You got the Fireflies, and then in the show you have Kathleen and Perry, and then in the next episode we see that David. So there's all these different kinds of factions. <laughs> see what I did there? All these different kinds of factions who think they're right. We talked about the arcade, talked about Daytona USA, ah, my favorite thing. And I just love the scene Mortal Kombat, not in, in its like faux glory, in its true glory, man. The arcade cabinet is, looks clean, looks pristine, which is weird. But as you could, I, what my theory is, is that Riley cleaned it up because she wanted to make everything perfect for Ellie for this special night. But it just it's just so cool, man, to see the Mortal Kombat 2 machine. It's one of my favorite machines. Uh, typically behind me, there's an X-Men versus Street Fighter cabinet. And I guess now that I'm getting older, my kids are getting older, I bought a Simpsons uh, arcade one up, not an ad, not sponsored, but it is kind of like a three-fourth sides arcade cabinet that has um, you know your favorite arcades and so I have the Simpsons one It's my goal, my dream to uh, build it of course and then have me my wife my son and my daughter We play and we beat that game together like we have it as part of an arcade night And then eventually when I become a grandfather I would love to convert my garage into an arcade uh, for the kids You know that I think that'd be really cool uh, to be have that but th that's the kind of feelings I get with the arcade and I wrote a note here is we see the American doll the American girl doll uh, house a clicker there's a clicker in the house and this is the first time i was like oh my goodness i'm scared for our characters here i mean granted big daddy joel typically could take care of these clickers with no problem pedro pascal joel kind of nerfed a little bit but could take care of a clicker i have no idea riley and ellie can take care of a clicker in the game it's a bunch of affected and in the game when the affected show up all of a sudden, it turns into a chase scene from Uncharted. You have them knocking over everything and running, running, running. But in the show, as you can see, it's a little bit more pared down. It's a little bit more focused. It's more of a it's more of a sniper shot compared to an SMG video game metaphor. The whole point I'm trying to say is this: it's just a lot more clear and focus. And because it's clear and focus, you know, we could focus on what really matters, which is what's happening to the characters versus the action. A couple things that are well, so they move the Halloween store in the game. It's before the carousel and here it's after everything. And then they had a brick scene where 
the girls are throwing bricks into cars and, and bottles, which is more of a kind of a inside joke or Easter egg between for the fans because of bricks and bottles, things of that sort. And also, uh, they skipped entirely uh, the water gun scene, which I, from what I think, the water gun scene was just a another way as well to capture this innocence. But I think for timing restriction, they just cut it. At the same time, I think it was showing off the the triggers as well. I mean, it's not really a demo, kind of like a tech demo for the PlayStation controller. But I remember that being a big deal when they the game they released the DLC. They were talking about you could feel the water pressure when you're shooting the water gun. The point is, it's like that is not in it as well. And in, in the game, um, the argument Riley takes off versus in this show, Ellie doesn't. So, like I said, I love the added friction between Riley and Ellie considering uh, about, you know, the factions. And I love that that's already brewing here. Um, the one thing as well is that, and that's my only like nitpicky criticism for this episode is if Riley says in this scene that Marlene recruited me and then we flash forward to Boston where Ellie is captured by Marlene. I wish that you could see some more hate from Ellie to Marlene because you wouldn't you think that it is Marlene's fault for getting Riley killed for recruiting her to be a firefly because if that never happened, they'll just be in the dorm and they'll just cause their mischiefs in the, uh, you know, in the school. But I, I, I didn't miss that. I feel like it was missing. I probably need to rewatch it to see. If that, if that was there, but I didn't really see that. I just saw a sarcastic Ellie in those things. One thing that I got to pop out of me was a crazy accurate mask. The, the wolf mask and the clown mask are like straight pulled from the game. Like whoever did the rendering for those masks, I am so impressed because they were able to lift that off. And I was just blown away seeing those things as well because those masks are... They're in factions, sort of, so it's kind of cool to see that. But I love this moment, and like I said, they kind of jumbled some things. In the show, it happens in a Halloween store. In the game, it happens in an electronic store. Um, and it's because they played the music that it, it attracts all these clickers. Of course, in the show, it's the arcade noise that wakes up the clicker. Um, but yeah, this is the moment where I have this note. Bella Ramsey knocks it out of the park. The whole moment of dancing, acting through a mask as well, the wolf mask. And all of a sudden, she has that moment. And when they kiss, you, you see the fear. You see the excitement. You see all this emotion that has been caged inside just explode in that moment. And this extreme extreme happiness in this gleeful look comes over bella ramsey's face realizing that you know she just convinced her her love to stay and 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 riley says okay i'll stay in that moment you know you're feeling like you're on cloud nine and of course in the trope in all kinds of shows when a character saying like oh man i'm gonna move my family and live in this big old house that's when your character is gonna die and so all of a sudden you know Neil Druckmann being Neil Druckmann, we take all that happiness away from Ellie. We take all that away from Riley and in comes the clicker. And man, that, like I said, this was the first time I've ever been afraid for the characters in the show. Granted, you know, we all know about plot armor and things like that. Of course, you know, Joel and Ellie got to keep it going. But knowing that Ellie was going to be fine, but it's just still, man. It's, it was so done, it was done in a different way that it made it feel like you never knew what was going to happen. And that's what I think where the show excels the most. As somebody who's watched and played the game numerous times, you're sitting there like, I already know what's going to happen. But because they do it a little bit differently, you're still on the edge of your seat. 
And here we got that, uh, like I said, I wrote the note, instantly cried. <laughs> I literally did. And here as well, we have Joel being grateful that Ellie was staying. And then we get the scene where he um, sews him back up. So like I said, there's a, there's a lot of bit of the, the little bit of differences between the entire scene. Um, obviously, I think a lot of people who play the game are going to be, uh, they'll be let down that there wasn't the whole present day shopping mall. There's a lot of action sequences where she takes on the Raiders and things like that sort. And I mentioned the big selling point was AI versus AI. Uh, one of the little, bit, little bit Easter egg was the arcade itself was called Rajas, which is the last name for Eddie Raja, who was a villain in the Uncharted series. So shout out to Raja there. The classic, classic villain. I love them. But um, like I said, one of the last thing I want to say is that the game went back and forth so you had a moment where it would show you out there in the past with riley and then it'll break it up with the action sequence in the in the current day so it went back and forth but this time it decided to go with the bookend approach which i really did think it flowed a lot better for this entire episode and i'm just hoping that i mean the next episode is going to be david's camp and david is such a, a weird dude uh, I'm, like, I'm, I'm trying not to spoil this for the people that haven't seen it yet, but David uh, is another faction that they're presenting here. Uh, my concerns for the people that did know watch the game is that I'm hoping Kathleen's character didn't dilute what David was all about. Because Kathleen's character, you got a little sense of the human side. I've been wondering what will they do to round out David. I mean, David was played by Nolan North, and David kind of had a couple of layers, like only like two layers. Um, he had a switch, so he was like, a, hey, I'm a friendly guy, and then all of a sudden, oh, I'm not a friendly guy. Uh, another interesting note is Troy Baker, the voice of Joel, will appear in the next episode. He was the other fella that was trying to convince David not to take Ellie in. So I wrote this tweet that I butchered, so I have to retweet it, but Troy Baker goes from he must protect to he must attack. And uh, I blew it. I wrote when he must protect. Twitter, man. So that is another exciting thing. And basically, that's episode eight. And then episode nine will be the end. So I can't believe it's already here. One of the things as well as we wrap up this episode here on The Last of Us, You and Me, is I, dude, I honestly can't believe that there is a show for this game. Uh, I, I, I think about this every now and again. Uh, I looked at it. The Last of Us logo comes up. I never skipped the intro. If you do, shame on you. I think about it, though. And so I saw the Last of Us logo, and I hear, I hear Gustavo's music. And I'm like, man, it's crazy to me that this is an HBO show. Considering, you know, like I said, I've been covering this game for years. Kind of like a, a sleeper agent for a, some years now. But anytime there's any news for The Last of Us, I'm always there. Anytime I have a microphone or I have a soapbox, I'm always, always touting for The Last of Us uh, multiplayer. I'm like probably the loudest voice that can be when it comes to The Last of Us multiplayer. And no matter what show I'm on, I'm like, you know what game needs to come out? The Last of Us multiplayer. And to feel that standalone multiplayer, hopefully it does happen. It's right around the corner. And to see the success for this show and it's only going to get bigger, y'all. Uh, when the next season comes out and then when award season comes out, everyone's going to remember, man, The Last of Us was a really good show. And, man, I'm just excited for the next two episodes. Let me know in the comments down below what you thought about this episode. If you liked it, if you listened to this far, please consider subscribing. I really appreciate your love. And as always, y'all, endure and survive. Peace out. Peace out.